Hello and welcome to the For Real Podcast. The shirt discusses music, film, and most importantly, furries. I'm your host, Matthew, also known as Hypebeast Dan. And today we have a very special guest because we have an avid ship poster. It's Leo. Hi. How are you doing today? Yo, what's up, dude? Are you being good today? I, I, I'm doing great. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm great. <laughs> what, <laughs> what about yourself? How are you doing? I, I'm not too bad, me. Um, I've just came back to spend um, Christmas with my family. So that's nice. I'm away from uni. Um, I haven't actually watched any Christmas films yet, though. So, because obviously, guys, spoilers, but this has been recorded before. It isn't actually recorded on the week that uh, that uh, this episode comes out. We're recording this before Christmas, so uh, I haven't yeah, watched yeah, any Christmas yeah. films yet. Or anything like that. Have you been getting in the Christmas spirit a little bit, or? Oh no, uh, honestly, honestly, I kind of, I kind of hate Christmas. What? Not like Christmas itself. It, it's <laughs> just like, it, it's just like everything feels so like commercialized and forced. Mm-hmm. It's like I like the Christmas spirit, but like going back to your mm-hmm. family, like eating dinner, yeah, uh, exchanging presents, all that, but like. The, the entire like aura of Christmas just feels like too, uh, no, too I, I fake and like or- organized. You no, know? I fully get that. That that's like me with uh, Valentine's Day. I feel like Valentine's yeah, Day is just yeah. an excuse for like restaurants to make money and shit when it's like no different. Yeah, no, but uh, Valentine's Day was an actual like marketing scheme though. It started like in the in the nineteen fifties mm. to sell uh, diamonds. I think. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, because they the diamond cells were dropping, so they were like, "Get yourself a <laughs> get yourself a everlasting gift for your uh, loved ones." Oh, it's interesting. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I haven't really been much uh, up to much. I've literally just been planning coming home for Christmas and just editing podcast episodes. And I mean, it's a it's a big. It's been it's kind of taken over a little bit, but um, you know, I'm enjoying it. It's it's going okay, and I'm uh, grateful for everybody listening and tuning in. So I do appreciate that a lot. Uh, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the shout out to the viewers. Yeah, shout out to the viewers, listeners, depending on the platform. Oh yeah, Spotify, yeah. SoundCloud, mm-hmm. iTunes, mm-hmm. YouTube, all that. Well, coming up, we've got some good good conversation to talk about. We've got uh, two solid picks, including an album that uh, one of my most listened to song on Spotify was from. So I'm interested to talk about that, and a solid film with very good praise. But before before we uh, jump into those, we'll have a talk about some furry stuff. So how about you just introduce uh, introduce yourself a little bit, you know, and just talk about some furry stuff. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, my name's Leo. I'm a I'm a dragon, or more spe- specifically, I'm a wolf dragon. Mm. Um. Uh, I like when it comes to, like contributing to the fandom. Like I don't really do much. I just kind of shit post on Twitter. <laughs> That's like pretty much all I do. Mm-hmm. I I post I post stupid jokes and uh and pictures. Sometimes I go to cons, mm-hmm. but like I'm not like a creative with the uh, like like I don't draw or do any kind of yeah d- like any kind of like actual like content creation. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, it's just like. Mm-hmm online stuff yeah no it's cool yeah how did you how long have you been uh fairy for how long have you been like in the fairy fandom for or the community in a sense um well i mean like i've always known about the fandom and shit yeah. it's it's wait can i swear yeah yeah like, of course you can of course you can yeah 100 okay okay yeah because you know cussing and stuff on youtube yeah. is like i mean yeah. i'm not looking i was i was talking about this um with somebody else i'm uh the only time i would get somebody not to swear is if I had like a sponsorship opportunity where they were like, please don't swear in the video. Like I'm not looking to monetize yeah. anything or anything like that. So I can't be bothered with that shit. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, just go go forward, go with it, you know? <laughs> okay, anyways, yeah, I, I, I've always known about the fandom, like ever since I was like young, but I haven't like engaged in it mm-hmm. at all. But I joined back in, um, like I started engaging back in uh, December 2018 mm-hmm. is, is probably when I started. And then I went to my first con in 2019, 
it was uh, MCFC, met a lot of great people, mm-hmm. and it, it just kind of started there. So, like, I've been, I'd say I've been active since, like, early 2019. Ooh, tw- 2019. So, you're, like, similar to me, because I started being active uh, in, like, September of 2019. So, that's really interesting. Did you have, once you joined, because obviously if you joined early 2019, you must have got your suit, like, quite quickly, because you have, like, a partial, don't you? Do you have a full suit, or...? Yeah, so I, 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 like, started, like, engaging the fandom in, like, 2018, like, December-ish, because, mm-hmm. uh, 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 like, the, the story is actually kind of interesting, like, how I got, like, dragged okay. into it, because uh, I do video editing, yeah. right, as a job and all that shit, and I've always, like, kind of watched fur YouTubers and all that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in December, Majir posted that he needed, like, an editor for Collabness, because, you know, it's daily uploads for, like, December. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it is, yeah. So it's like... I was like, "Fuck it! I'll, 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 I'll shoot my shot. I'll see if I can do mm-hmm. some, some other stuff." Because I was getting tired of doing Fortnite content, <laughs> and uh, it, it, it was just nice getting a yeah. little break. But then, like you know, like a business relationship turned into more of a friendship. He was like, "Yo, you should go, you should go to a con." I met you know a lot of people, mm-hmm. and then I kind of just fell fell in love with the fandom. That's so cool. Uh, it's really interesting yeah. how you kind of became a part of the community through uh, like f- kind of freelance and work kind of thing. That's really cool um how, yeah but yeah. you know like i've always had the you know like the appreciation of the arts and you know but like i, I didn't really have any like friends or mm-hmm. like actual like engaging conversations with furries or any pull to the yeah. fandom though but like when i when i met the people and all that stuff it, it kind of just came to came me to, yeah i get um, yeah I, I think that's kind of how i went because i made a twitter got commissions and then over time i just kind of got more friends and p- mutuals to talk to and then look at me now i'm like hosting a fairy podcast and i just did if you told me i was hosting a fairy podcast like a year ago i'd be like what are you want about <laughs> like no way <laughs> yeah what's your experience with like conventions how many have you been to because I'm, I'm still yet to have a go to a convention so uh i've been to i went the first one was uh motor city for con mm-hmm. in detroit and then i went to anthro ohio which is in ohio oh, cool. and then it was anthrocon i think mm-hmm. yeah anthrocon and then he was a private, uh, quote unquote, convention or like a party, uh, KiwiCon with with my friends. And then we, it's been, uh, and then this year it was uh, further confusion in January. Mm-hmm. So one of the like last fur cons that was before Corona hit. So in total, like four, four cons, conventions already. Five if you count like the private private con. Oh, that's uh, still cool. Like house party or yeah, five conventions already. And I have not been to one, but to be fair, I feel like the US have way more like opportunities to go to a convention rather than like the UK only have like oh, three or four or like yeah. Europe, yeah. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Um, in Europe, it's it's only really Confussel and Euroference, mm-hmm. Nordic Fuscon. That's like the quote unquote big ones, yeah. you know. But big is like they're like medium to American standards. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just said fuck it and flew out because. I'm not from America. I'm from from Norway. Oh, okay, so, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So like, I I kind of had to like fly out, and like all my friends were American, so going to a EU con didn't really make sense at the time. Yeah. So I haven't been to one yet, which is kind of funny to think about. You know, <laughs> it's like, like a away, yeah. not been. Yeah. No, it's far out. Let's dive into the Twitter stuff straight away. So we were talking off podcast a while ago about how you have such a big following. You have like 13,000 followers on Twitter in all, all you, you, yeah. you were like, all I do is shit post. So how do you think it just <laughs> came to that? Like so many followers for just 
you know, memeing and shit. I don't know. <laughs> mm, I mean, it's it's definitely like following trends and like uh, like I I do have like some marketing knowledge mm-hmm, do, when it comes yeah. to mm-hmm. like my my job because yeah. I work with YouTubers, I work mm-hmm. with social media and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not gonna say I, I I necessarily made content to get follower, but I made content that was good enough to get followers yeah. as a, as a byproduct of you know making content mm-hmm. and getting getting followers is like you know like it's a it's a good way to connect with people because even though it's kind of fucked to say it's a metric of like it, it can be seen as a metric of like if you're like kind of good at what you're mm-hmm. doing you know yeah and i mean you you get it shit you get a chip post and then you're fantastic at shit posting yeah it's it, it's like good at shit posting and good at just doing that kind of yeah. stuff and it's it, it opens it opens doors mm-hmm. to like-minded content creators mm-hmm. i would say you know like like if you do well like people are going to notice and you're, you're it just open up mm-hmm. opens up doors yeah it's interesting going back to what you were saying yeah. on the kind of um stuff you do with youtube is obviously i don't think you can really speak about who you work with but what kind of um work do you do for them and uh, what's it like working with them, like deadlines and all that? Because you tell me it's fucking like really stressful sometimes. Oh, uh, I mean, it's it's very it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I when it comes to like the actual work I do, it's mostly just video editing. Uh, I I you know they send me the files, edit the video, make sure it's all good. Yeah. Um, it's organizing the recordings and all that stuff because they have like separate mics. You know, mm-hmm. like they wear different mics lot of that stuff so it's mostly just the the final like production part like the post-production part yeah. that i do like i don't do any of the marketing thumbnails any of the you know search engine optimization any of that like i don't deal with that it's just the actual video editing yeah. but i do pick up things here and there yeah well that's um, yeah that's something i want to do personally as a career as well which i was telling you about and it does go it yeah. is re- i just thinking about that like stresses me out because you do a lot of work for it and I can't even finish a video in this like fucking two months. Never mind like a certain like day or a week gap. And the thing is, with a personal project, you have a decision whether you want to do it or not. But when you're working for somebody else and they've set you a deadline, you need to meet that yeah. deadline. And it's especially yeah. hard and for you know. I'll let you go. I'll let you go. No, I, I was gonna say the thing about deadlines is that uh, when it comes to, like this line of work or any kind of freelancing work, it's it's like you gotta you gotta be reliable to succeed like you can't keep fucking up yeah. keep missing deadlines so you just kind of have like sometimes i joke about my job not being a editor it's just like a okay figure it out kind of guy because mm-hmm. like that's what it ends up being you know like the, like they fuck up a recording or something and they're like okay dude you just got to figure out how to make this work because we can't like reshoot it the guy like flew back from because like sometimes they fly people in yeah to, collab and and stuff it's like there's there's a lot of like editing magic i have to like do and all that stuff Mm -hmm. so meeting deadlines is is just it's a pain but it's necessary and it's a lot of pressure yeah definitely i was just saying that i think it's harder uh, for personal projects and it's harder for more commercial things because it's like if you have to meet a deadline sometimes you have to restrict what you want to do with the footage if you know what i mean because you can't just yeah. you have to obviously be effective with how well you edit it but keep the time constraints in place as well and just thinking about that kind of um stresses me out really yeah and i'm like i want to do this as a yeah. job but at the same time i'm like yo it's it's a lot it's a lot i gotta say 
Yeah, uh, you definitely can't be like a perfectionist when it comes to like, you know, like uh, as long as something is good enough, mm -hmm. it's good enough. Like you, you can't be nitpicky about the small details because you're not going to hit the deadline then. So you're just going to yeah. power through it and just do it. And yeah. like on my own projects, it, it's just it's like I, I do whatever I feel like because then it's no no one. Fuck, I can't speak. <laughs> so good. There's no standards. There's no deadlines, yeah. no nothing. But with client videos, it's like I have to do it this way and I have to get yeah. it done by that time. So mm -hmm. obviously I have to cut corners. But then the benefit of that, even though you're restricted with what you can do with it due to their demands, you get paid for that shit. So like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and it's, it's also like, you know, I get paid per project. So it's like if I finish a video in two hours, that's, you know, insane. But... Mm -hmm. Then again, I could also spend like 20 hours on that video, but that's, you know, that's not worth my time, quote unquote. Yeah. Because um, per project pays um, mm -hmm. better the less time you spend on it. Going back to your shit posts on Twitter, there was a video, yeah. this was an interesting thing I was talking to you about, where I was DMing you on Twitter about organizing something for the podcast. And mm -hmm. my friend was on Instagram and was like, show me this video. It was like a meme. And it was like, oh, look at this funny fairy that's on Omegle. And then he showed me this meme. And I was like, I'm literally talking to them right now on fucking Twitter DMs. That is the, the person I'm talking to right now. And that yeah. was just so, so surreal to me that the fairy that was doing some meme shit posting on, on his Instagram feed was you. And I was talking to you at that time. So that Omegle video, did that like blow the fuck up? Like... It must if it was on my friend's like uh, Instagram feed just yeah. randomly. <laughs> it's it's probably like one of the more successful uh, like furry memes I've made. Yeah. Uh, it, it got it got featured three times on on the front page of uh, iFunny. Oh. Not that that's like a bigger achievement at all, but like it's pretty funny because yeah. um you know like just on iFunny it had like two million views and then it's it's been a few like people keep tagging me in like random shit when it pops up like haha if this is you <laughs> and it, it's been in like a few like um youtube compilations and like a, a few instagram pages here and there and it's it's definitely like gotten a few million views at least so it's 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 been around but like i, I wouldn't say it's gone viral viral but it's gone like a, a fair amount of attention mm -hmm. but the fun thing about that video is that it's it's completely fake because the, the video is like he connects and then he screams and then he disconnects mm -hmm. right but like the actual interaction was real but he didn't disconnect i just <laughs> made it look like he disconnected <laughs> so it's like a perfectly cut screen yeah you know? oh yeah perfectly good. that's yeah. more because that's more funny like it's not funny if it just screams it's funny if it like screams and then insta disconnects so you know it's there's some humor there and you know it wasn't accidental i'm just scrolling through your twitter and you you have a lot of tweets that just pop off like some people have like no 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 it like right guys likes don't really matter that much okay it's just like you know it's all a form of whatever but uh some people have like high follow accounts and then like they'll just make tweets and then like get like 10 likes on them but yours just keep banging like constantly every single time. And I do think it's because you've set that um, marketability for yourself where it's like, I shit post and it's funny as fuck. So when you see it, when you see it, it's Leo tweet, you're like, this shit's going to be funny. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's hard to explain, but I see where you're coming from with yeah. like marketing in terms of that as well. I mean, it's it's also like I, I have built like my, uh, I, I built my Twitter on, you know, like personality based. So like people, you know, they... They don't necessarily enjoy like my art mm -hmm. or anything. They enjoy like the personality, I would say. Yeah. So like 
people are gonna engage and when it comes to like twitter and shit it's mm-hmm. it's like all my followers are from like the past year so like a lot of them are active still yeah but like if you look at any other like pursuiter who's been around for like four or five years and they have the same following mm-hmm. uh it's it's obviously going to be less engagement yeah. because less people are less active because you gotta think about you that because you've like you said you've only been doing fairy stuff since uh late 2018 early 2019 so it's a following that you've gained through a, a really short amount of time like a big following in such a short amount of time in my opinion so that's great um yeah i'm gonna put you on the spot here okay so mm-hmm. there's a tweet i'm gonna read out that you that you um <laughs> that you that you tweeted and i would like you to explain yeah. the thought process behind this tweet i'm gonna put it on the screen for everyone right if you're watching on youtube um i'm gonna read it <clears throat> it's been four hours since i managed to suck my own cock things are different now <laughs> As soon as my mouth made contact with my penis, I felt a shock from my body. I believe I have super, super strength in telekinesis now. Three hours after contact, I saw a van parked on my street, but no one could... Now, I'm hoping that my parents did not hear me read that, that tweet. <laughs> so, would you like to explain the thought... Pro- I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's a copypasta, but I mean... <laughs> it is a copypasta, and it cut off a bit too early. It's supposed to say, like... Uh... Uh, I've seen a van parked outside uh, for multiple hours. Nobody has exited it. I think it's a, uh, I think it's a government surveillance van or some shit like that. And it's like sometimes I, I I just post shit because I think it's funny and I want to like share it. But like you can't really credit a copy pasta, so I just post it. Because you know? I saw that and I screenshotted it and I was like, oh, I got it. I got to read this out on the fucking podcast. That's funny as shit. But there's some stuff that's yeah. that. And then you've got like just random edits as well, like the uh, the ring, like someone's at your front door. Shit, it's like, yeah. I do like how you've got a. It's funny. You're a comedian. It's funny. I, I might I might be giving you too much credit, but you are legitimately really fucking funny. And I do think you have a good balance between like funny photos to funny tweets to funny edits. And I do think it's just like, I just love it. It's great. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um. Like my my previous bio on Twitter was. Uh... It was a compilation of intrusive thoughts, which is pretty much what my Twitter is. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the ring one, for example, I uh, I saw a picture of... It was just, like, a random ring picture, but, like, no, not really any, any like, meme attached. Yeah. It was just, like, a screenshot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what would, be, what would be really funny if I was, like, very close mm-hmm. and just, like, staring at the camera? I don't know why I thought it was funny, but I was like, that's funny. Let me make that. And I made it. Mm-hmm. And I posted it. So, like... Sometimes I think shit and then I do shit and then I share shit because, nice. you know, it's funny. Have you ever, I'm going to guess that since you kind of gained it over time, you haven't had an experience to go to a con uh, recently, obviously, but have you ever been recognized at a convention because of your suit? Because you seem to do a lot of tweets about your suit as well. So Yeah, I mean, I, the few cons I've been to, I've, I've been recognized a few times, but it's it's nothing like crazy. Yeah. It's, it's just like, hey, I like your content. I know who you are or... Uh, I know who you are. Don't talk to me, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like some people don't like me, oh, okay. which is fine, I guess. I don't really care, because um, you know, like when it comes to humor, like humor is, you know, subjective. It's, it's a hit or miss. Yeah. yeah. No, I get that. So, yeah. like, s- sometimes I I have made jokes that are probably not <laughs> funny and probably not okay yeah. to joke about, and you know, like you live and you learn. Yeah. I mean, yeah. gotta grow. I mean, comedians and stuff like do go through that as well, and it's just something yeah. that you just kind of gotta learn with. So I do. It's get about that. finding a balance. Yeah, definitely, definitely about finding a balance. Uh, I like how your pin tweet is there. Uh, you're loved. That's a very, that's very cute. I like that. 
it's a I think it's an important message to to remember mm-hmm. that you know like no matter who you are or mm-hmm. what's currently going on in your life somebody out there do care yeah and it's lovely yeah. yeah do you do uh, much other stuff besides uh Twitter as an online platform have you done any like streams and stuff like Twitch etc because obviously you have a ex- uh, you have a lot of experience like editing videos and all that stuff and working with kind of video content so have you done anything like youtube or twitch before or like attempted uh i used to stream on twitch a little mm-hmm. bit um but not too much um i used to stream on on like my uh like personal twitter kind of like that uh like professional twitter yeah. that I, I did that for a long time and mm-hmm. it, it was fairly like fun and whatever but you know like i, I just became too busy with work and all That's that so kind of fell off so and then yeah. when it comes to, like furry stuff it's just mm-hmm. I don't really know what to stream because, you know, I could stream games, but that's not really on brand or like, yeah. I feel like people don't enjoy it as much. And then it's just like, it's just stupid. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely. Um, So you were saying you have like a personal Twitter and all that. So um, I feel like sometimes, like, especially me, like I personally separate my like furry side. For, I, I have a, I have a personal Twitter as well. Yeah. Why do you think people do that? Because people go on about like, oh, well, you know, you should be proud of being a furry and stuff, but I don't think it's that. I think it's just simply because if you were, like, in any fandom or any, like, community of, like, a hobby, you would have a separate Twitter. Like, I used to play Smash competitively, like, a shit ton, and I have a Smash Twitter that I, like, hardly use anymore. So do you think it's just because of that that people have, like, separate Twitters for that shit? Uh, I genuinely have no idea, but <laughs> when it comes to me, at least, it's because of work. You yeah. know, like, I don't want to mix professionality and just escapism, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not too good of a mix but like i don't keep it secret you know like uh, like a lot of my followers on my like personal twitter know about this twitter and vice versa mm-hmm. it's just i don't advertise it you yeah. know because also like like it's, you know like none of my clients are necessarily going to drop me because of this shit but it's you know it's i don't want to like force it in their face or if i like some fucking furry shit i don't want it to pop up on their on their tl mm-hmm. you know just it's just better to have like organized spaces for certain things. Yeah, 100%. Now, I think we've had a good discussion of the kind of stuff you do and your, you know, relevance in the furry community. And I'm looking at your cover photo, not cover photo, your banner or whatever on Twitter. Yes, and it's sir. just, I think we should move on to the album choice of this week, which is Ice Dancer by Blade. So now, Blade. now, before we start off, I would like to ask the question, mm-hmm. do you say Blady or do you say Blade? I say both. You say both? Uh, mm-hmm. But usually it's it's Blady. Have you seen yeah. that video where he's like, um, uh, I say uh, Blade. Blade, but you can use both. I, some, some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so funny. Yeah. It's so funny. So we'll start off by, I have a lot to say about this album, but I will start off giving the mic to you and say, why did you choose Ice Dancer in particular? Uh, oh god, that's a tough, a tough question. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I, I've I've just been a huge fan of like the drain scene for a long ass yeah. time because you know like there's Swedish, so like it bled through to Norway like pretty early yeah. on, and I've 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 always loved the kind of like aesthetic they're going for. You know, with the yeah, like they they pretty much just pioneered like cloud rap and mm-hmm. all that that very wavy, dreamy mm-hmm. like feel of music it definitely feels and they're yeah. sorry i'll let you go yeah and they, they they've they've definitely like uh influenced the 
rap scene oh, yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. Even though like you don't really notice it too much, but like all the cloud rap and all the I, I like to think of it as a outsider trap movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely feels like a unique form of kind of rap music. It was something when I started yeah. listening to, I didn't really click with it first, but I've probably been listening to them on and off for a few months now. And obviously we were talking about E by Echo 2K on the third episode of the podcast. Because uh, obviously I listen to primarily rap, but when it comes to Drain Gang, I think it they kind of brings something new to the rap game and it's like unique in a sense, but it still maintains the kind of music I enjoy listening to, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I was just going to add like... Um... It, it it also feels very genuine you know like it's mm-hmm. not like overproduced it's experimental like it's just it's just vibes you know like they're just trying shit out and it's 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 working i fuck yeah. with it yeah um so an interesting an interesting kind of tidbit about this album in my personal connection to it so this is going to look very generic to like anybody that actually listens to drink gang but um, my most listened to song of this year was be nice to me and I listened to it like 203 fucking times. It is yeah, a same. fucking banger. And I know it's like, oh, if you, you, oh, you like Drain Gang, I bet you only listen to Peroxide and Be Nice to Me. But I'm like, nah, it's it's a, it's a like the most popular song for a reason. It's a fantastic song. So Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a banger. Uh, what would you say is your favorite on Ice Dancer? Oh, Be Nice to Me. Mm-hmm. I always play that shit like a couple hundred times. Like yeah. it, it was on my top. Like it was my most listened to song. It's um, so good. If I wasn't going to pick Be Nice to Me... I really like the, uh, I really like more whole freestyle. Like I just really, really like it. And I think it kind of, I don't, I don't know if it's meant to do this, but it does give like a good introduction or like kind of beforehand listen to, mm-hmm. to be nice to me, if you know what I mean, which is nice. I don't know. It just, it just blends in well. Like both the, uh, both the tracks blend in well. Now I feel like um, Smart Water is a really nice introduction to the album because it kind of solidifies the kind of feel and the kind of production you're going to be experiencing when you listen to this record. Yeah, I mean, it's also the the first song, so... It's, yeah, exactly. It's like an intro song, you mm-hmm. know? But yeah, no, I, I do I do also enjoy Mall Horror. Mm-hmm. It, like, just the lyrics, they, they go hard as fuck. Yeah. Um, I'm a Mall Horror. And my proudest look like that. I fucking like... love it. I love it. I love it. It's it's insane. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Side by side is another song that I really really liked. Um, yeah. It's it's really well done. I think uh, not a lot of people put enough um, you know respect on Tie Boy Digital as a DG member. You know, I think everyone's always like Blade or Two K, but you know, I do think Tie Boy's sick. Yeah, he's, yeah. Tie Boy is sick. It's so cool. I also like the intermission. The intermission is a mm-hmm. is a nice nice like taste breaker. The cardio yeah. god. God yeah, I stand say. It does um it does change it a bit and uh, kind of similar to the be nice to me thing, it's a nice introduction or nice little kind of mix into side by side, which is great. What did you yeah. think of Young Lean on Inside Out? Did you did you like that? Uh I'm a little bit unsure. Like I, I honestly like I just listened to this album like so much. <laughs> like I kind of forget the names of the songs. Yeah uh but like like i i have like a few favorites and it's definitely like mm-hmm. be nice to me smart world smart water uh mall horror side by side mm-hmm. special place special place is really good too yeah um, i would say in comparison to other drain gang albums even though be nice to me is my favorite song um by drain gang as a whole i do think i preferred e more as a project uh i don't know about you though do, do, do you like echo 2k stuff do you like e as well yeah, I like E. I like E. Mm, it's good. What was uh was Peroxide on on E? Yeah, was Peroxide's like a, on E. It's like yeah. the second track, I think. It's uh yeah. 
Yeah, I like it's... I like Peroxide a lot. That's cool. I like Frosty the Sm- Snowman as well on Ice Dancer. And I think it all just like, Christmas vibes. Yeah, Christmas vibes for the for what's going on right now. And I gotta say the the I've really you were talking about the aesthetic and kind of imagery of Drain Gang, and I think that is perfectly summed up with the album art of this fucking uh, album. It is just it's just like hectic, but it's like dreamy. It's like I don't know. It's 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 hard to explain. Do you know what I mean? Though it's just like. Uh, I really like it. It's it's like it's like early two thousands, like yeah. MySpace mm-hmm. uh, profiles, like yeah. over the top, like just web, like random web assets, just mm-hmm. mashed together into a beautiful, overly saturated mess. <laughs> that's that's I, uh, the yeah. best way I can explain I it. I love it so much. I don't know. I it was weird. I found out about Be Nice to Me through I put. Oh, how did I find out about it? It's because I was playing a hundred Gex. Um, this is this is kind of cringe, not gonna lie. I was playing 100 Gex at a skate park because we had like a speaker on and people were just chilling. Um, and this guy came up and was like, "Oh, you like 100 Gex? Do you listen to Blade?" And I was like, "What the fuck? Like, who's Blade?" And then he was like, "Oh, put on Be Nice to Me by Blade." And I put it on and I was like, "Yo, this actually slaps! Like, this is really good." And then I just like listened to it for a solid like six months without stopping it's so good it is such a good song i don't know just something about it's just like it's really well structured it's catchy i mean i put um me and my friends from home we have like a joint playlist where we put all our songs in a like a kind of you know collaborative playlist thing and i put be nice to me on there and usually they don't they don't like kind of uh rapping kind of well some of them do but some of them don't kind of thing and this guy that only listens to like mumford and sons and shit my friend charlie was like you know be nice to me is not that bad of a song i actually like it and i'm like yeah i know it's it's catchy and it's it's really well made as well yeah it's it's like uh like ice dancer is definitely like one of the better produced um played albums uh in terms of kind of comparing it to its other works do you think uh, three, 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 and stuff like that. Do you think it upholds? Have you listened to those much? Do you think it upholds? Three, three, the, yeah. I I feel like three, three, three was a. It was a little bit too chill. Like mm-hmm. I kind of like the more like upbeat, you know, like yeah. hype kind of stuff. And I, I feel like Ice Dance was a, is a little bit more hype than than the yeah. three, 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 three. God, that's <laughs> difficult to yeah. say. I totally get that. I think only a few tracks kind of stood out to me on that. I really liked Mean Girls. Um, Reality Surf was a bit too relaxed for me, kind of similar. Um, did you like? I'm guessing you really like Western Union. Then, if you like more kind of uh, oh, hype tracks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Western Union's fantastic song. I love it so much. And um, one, one by one, or like one one is a really good song on Trash Island as well. I just think they have a lot of um, kind of potential as a group in a sense. And I do think they'll. I think they've already broken to because obviously they were just like. You know, they were obviously a main integral core of the Swedish rap game, but I do think they're starting to kind of spread out globally and definitely um, starting to kind of become noticed in a sense. I mean, more like, take, yeah, yeah, take for example, I mean, and this isn't a very nice thing, it's like, oh, I learned it through this, but I mean, I remember when Be Nice to Me became like really big because um, a lot of people used it in TikTok and like TikTok sounds and stuff, and same for Peroxide. And I think there is a bit of, a comparison there where uh, or like a bit of controversy in a sense where sometimes people are like oh well it's not really the best thing when people use those songs for like you know when they don't really like the people in that and i mean some t- part most of me is like who really cares but at the same time i was talking to my friend jack about peroxide for example and it was like 
it's about Echo growing, growing up as like a black man in Sweden and then like these like femboys are using them as like a theme for like TikToks and it's like it just kind of like diminishes the message of the song and stuff so it's it's more of a kind of I don't know it's just a controversial kind of thing but I, I do like how they've gained a lot of popularity through social media and, and through kind of sharing of their music because I think they do yeah. deserve it. I mean they're they're definitely like trendsetters though like it's yes. Yeah. It's, it's new it's ex- experimental people are getting getting bored of the same like just the same music because like it's hard to just be different and like mm-hmm. these guys are doing different stuff but they're doing yeah. it well yeah and like with all music it's it's a hit hit or miss but mm-hmm. i i do genuinely think that they have a lot of talent and they they do um how do i phrase this they they do like talk about kind of serious stuff yeah in a a, uh nice way though yeah definitely it is really it is a really um kind of interesting take because i sometimes a lot of rappers obviously just focus on kind of like the male gaze kind of like woman money and all that shit and i mean it's not all rappers and i mean most rappers that do that also have kind of a melancholic more emotional side to them as well but i do think um they've uh dream gang really think about what kind of messages they want to send in the music and i do think it's a really interesting thing to think about as well in terms of lyricism and comparing that to like more like western rap etc yeah for sure for sure Mm -hmm. trying to think of any like gripes i had sometimes i know i've said this for like a lot of criticisms because the thing is what you'll learn about me on this podcast is that i love music and i just love all different types of music so i'm not very chris um critical as i would say on like projects and the same with films as well because i mean i'm a film student i'm gonna enjoy films like i look at my letterbox average ratings and it's like hardly any one of three stars and then i have like 24 stars and it's just like i really just i, I like media and I, I like you know exploring different aspects but i would so going back to my original point i would say that some of the tracks did feel a little bit too samey for me but i say that about a lot of stuff and again it, it's more how you look at it from its perspective like you can see that as a having a solidified kind of um not message but a solidified like theme to the album but then you could also see it as like it doesn't bring anything new with each track would you say do you have any gri- i know it's at your choice so i'm guessing you don't have many gripes with it but do you have any kind of criticisms to the record to ice dancer mm-hmm. um or do you just i don't know love that? Do you just love that shit just fully, I, just fully... Dude, it's it, it's just a nice album i, mm-hmm. I like it i like yeah. it they talk about a lot of good shit and they it sounds good. I love the melodies. I love the I love the like dreamy and just fucking floating vibe of everything yeah. and like how everything is balancing and like it's unique. It's unique. It's it's nice. Yeah. Would and you say it yeah. gets me hyped? Mm-hmm. It is. It is a hype kind of album. I love it. I've been listening to it a lot while skating as well. It is it is just nice stuff to listen to at least E as well. Would you say that um, when you listen to Ice Dancer, can you listen to specific songs like Be Nice to Me on it? Or do you have to, when you want to listen to most of the tracks, do you have to listen to the album front to back? Uh, I, I usually just hit, like, play on Spotify. And I just, like, listen <laughs> just go. to it. And yeah. I, like, hit the loop button while I work. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. You know, just, mm-hmm. I, like, it, it's not like when I listen to it, it's, it's like I listen, listen to it. It's more like mm-hmm. I listen to it in the background while I'm doing yeah. stuff. Or, like, I put it on at, like, parties yeah. and shit like that. But, like, yeah. The only real time I actually like listen, listen to like songs or anything is if I'm like laying in my bed, like chilling and just like closed eyes, just tapping out, you know? Yeah, it's just vibing. Yeah. I think the album started off really strongly 
and kind of lost itself the further down you go. Like I found myself um, being able to kind of enjoy smart war more or freestyle and, you know, be nice to me, obviously, more than kind of stuff like special place or feel like, I don't know, I just, I, I, I feel like I just didn't like them as much as this um, stuff at the top. So I think it went kind of from like a really, really high strong point kind of like fizzling out a little bit more but yeah overall uh, i did I really enjoy that. it yeah i can see that mm-hmm. and i think blade um like i said i think with blade i think with echo 2k Tybo digital they definitely have so much potential and i think once they i don't know if they're going to be working on kind of another collab album because i know blades just released one with um megatok is it so i haven't actually listened to that yet but i'm hoping that you know they they work together to make another collab album because I mean Trash Island was fantastic. I love Trash Island so much. So uh, definitely something. And I mean that was only like an eight eight track twenty two minute uh, thing. I was looking now. So maybe they'll make something bigger. And uh, you know, kind of they're already experimental, but they can they can I think they can go further. I think definitely. I, I want to see some. I, I want to see some uh, Drain Gang hyper pop esque. Oh music. shit! Yeah, that'd be so cool. I would love that. Like Switch drain, up the game a little bit. Drain gang Gex kind of shit. So people do people joke about that and like, lol, Drain Gang should like collab with Gex, but I mean that would just be funny as shit, like because people just say that's a joke, I mean, but it'd just be funny. If you look at if you look at Hunter Gex, they do collab with a lot of unexpected people like yeah. Fallout Boy and fucking um what was that other guy? Uh, like it was so weird. It was uh yeah. They collabed fuck, with them. They collabed with the um, those people that um what's it called? Uh, free oh exclamation mark free or whatever it's called and they they um they made them my first kiss when a little like this song like fucking ages ago and just had a random collab because i listened to that song i was like oh there's vibes then i sent it my friend who hates gex and he was like oh no yo those are the people that made the my first kiss song and it's not too bad and i was like oh interesting yeah. so they do go for really weird and out there collaborations and i do love that for them yeah. i mean they have Tommy an entire Cash. album Tommy Cash, yeah. Guy, yeah, that's the guy I was thinking about. Like, Hunter Gex and Tommy Cash, that's so, like, yeah. out there, you know? And that's, that ended up being one of the best songs, in my opinion, on uh, Thousand Gex and the Tree of Clues. And, I mean, yeah. they are known for having unique and well-kind-of-placed futures because they have an entire album dedicated to remixes and futures, which is fantastic as well. So definitely have a, you know, Drain Gang Gex thing in the in the works. I, I would appreciate something like that. Yeah. That, that would be fire. But overall, I stand to a fantastic album. Definitely check it out if you kind of, if you listen to rap and you want to experience a different side of a, a compared like Western or like grime or something. So yeah. And uh, I think on that though, we'll move on to the film choice of this week, which was uh, Interstellar, directed by Christopher Nolan. This film, this film, this film was a mindfuck. I, I, I finished watching it and I was like, what the fuck just happened? I really liked it and I'm really surprised I hadn't seen it until now because it, it is a film that everybody raves about. But like Ice Dancer, I will let you speak first and just say, why did you choose this film in particular to discuss? Well, um, a lot, a lot, a fucking lot. Mm-hmm. Um... Interstellar is just a beautiful piece of like just cinematic art. Uh, Christopher yeah. Nolan is a fucking genius. Like I love all mm-hmm. his movies. Um, and combining that with Hans Zimmer for the music, it's just oh, it's yeah, just fantastic. unreal. 
cinematography, the story, everything. It's it's insane. And the main thing I like about Interstellar is that you'll watch it for the first time and you're like, okay, this is a really good movie. But then you'll watch it for the second time and the story is completely different because, like, I, I don't want to really spoil you know too much, but like, mm-hmm. like everything makes sense the second time. Like, you're not yeah. like, oh, why is this happening? You kind of have the answers and it puts everything mm-hmm. into a different perspective. Yeah. And it's it's. Yeah, and I was gonna, I was just gonna add on to like it's all the small details, like on the, mm-hmm. on the wave planet near the black hole, uh, where they landed, where time yeah. was, uh, I guess, slowed down because it was sped up on Earth. Uh, every like the song that was playing in the background, every tick in mm-hmm. that song, like the clock ticking, was a, I think, it was a day passing on Earth or like a week. So like it's mm-hmm. just like small details like that that just like really. Yeah showcases how like Mm -hmm. well thought out everything is it seems like a lot of films i've been talking about on the podcast so far for so far everyone's been saying it's all about the small details and they explain like a small detail and i do love that that directors and people that make the film put stuff like that in the film and when people pick up pick up on it it's fantastic because it isn't something that you may like notice your first time or your second time but it's overall something that the director wanted you to see and it is great when that's kind of noticed. Um, going back, Christopher Nolan's work, fantastic. I have not seen Tenet yet, I must say. I was meant to go oh, see Tenet it. Oh, Tenet is so good. It's very confusing. It's extremely confusing. I'll, I'll let you know that. It's so yeah. confusing, but it's really good. Yeah, I, I've been told that. I mean, Christopher Nolan films are also mostly confused. I mean, you got. Like, I've seen Memento. I really liked Memento. And I talked about that on a podcast uh, a while ago, my friend's podcast, uh, Watch Happening. You should check that out, uh, my friend Cameron's podcast. Um, it is... It was very, very confusing. And I mean, when it comes to Interstellar and applying that, it was also confusing. I would say my friend, I'd probably give it like an eight or a nine. But I feel like if I if I rewatched it with the knowledge I have of, you know, the ending, etc. And uh, everything you kind of think about in the film, it does, it, w- it would probably would bump it up to a 10 potentially. And I don't have many five star films, so it is, a, it is a fantastic shout. So... What did you think of the cinematography and stuff of it? Because, well, the I mean, the entire thing is, like, really well made. I mean, the CG, I was like, is it CGI? Like, all the space and stuff, it, like, just feels so surreal and kind of, it, it, it feels, it obviously it isn't real. Because, I mean, you know, all that space shit is not fucking real. But it does feel like it isn't. It, like I forget it was a movie at time. I forgot it was a movie yeah, at time. It feels possible. Nice. And I also like yeah. how it's <laughs> almost shot as a. It's almost shot as like a documentary. If you, because like the yeah. intro where yeah. they're talking about like the past, like it's it's like they're in the future, mm-hmm. showing a documentary about what happened in the past about the story. Because like the in, opening interviews is the daughter, you know, talking about yeah. the father. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah like the like talking about what how life was on the farm and like life before they you know cracked the code and like went to space and all that yeah and um i didn't think of that actually yeah yeah, no like the the intro part was the was the daughter when she was Mm -hmm. you know like 70 or 80 or 90 or however however old she got um i was a yeah yeah i was surprised to see um you know good old timothy chalamet in this one i can't get away from him you know he's all he's in everything you know Everyone's favorite e-boy Timothy Chalamet was in this film, and I did not realize. Really? Where I was watching, yeah, this, this, well, at the start when obviously he's like a, the kid of the um, of Cooper, or oh. the son of Cooper before he gets old, and I was like, oh shit, it's Timothy Chalamet, oh shit. So that was an interesting kind of 
choice of uh, casting. Yeah, um, I'm not sure who you know. that is as an actor. But... You don't know who Timothy Chalamet is? No way. Have you ever seen uh, Call Me By Your Name? No. He's the kid in Call Me By Your Name. No, you should watch that. It's a really good film. He's like just known for doing very like coming of age kind of. I don't know. He's a, he's like a he's like the e boy of Hollywood. I would say <laughs> e boy of Hollywood. He's the he is the e boy of Hollywood. Fucking title in <laughs> No, um, going back to the music though, the music I felt was memorable, but it was also like impactful. It's it's hard to explain, but. It was it was dramatized. It was it was really well composed, and at the same time, it was like I think they had a theme throughout that was kind of you know came back and back, and it usually kind of started to play once uh, Cooper or another character like realized something really important, and then that's when you know like oh shit, it's gonna go down in this film. Like yeah. you know something big's happening. I mean, a, a lot of the music is you know. Uh, to emphasize emotion and uh mm-hmm. obviously if it's if it's not too emotional it's just going to be like some back background track to like fit the vibe like mm-hmm. when the one like the like my favorite song is the the one where like the spaceship like spins and it's getting like intense and intense and intense and it just shit, cuts yeah. off mm-hmm. it's just yeah. it's just like it's just like the small things where like builds up and then just releases all the tension yeah. and it's, it's nice so nice yeah it's yeah it's so good i love it um Trying to think of other things, it did feel like 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 I said before, it's really well shot, and I think Christopher Nolan challenges himself with narratives. Like you know, you see Tenet, you see Inception, you see you see Memento, and that they all in Interstellar, and they all have complex narratives that derive around you know trying to challenge the viewers' kind of psychology and like the kind of thought behind the film, yeah. which I think is really really interesting. And I do love how he just decides to challenge himself because it is hard to make something that... Because, I mean, this is essentially a time travel film, if you think about yeah, it a little it's, bit. It's about time, and a lot of his movies are about time. Um, yeah. It's definitely a recurring theme, which which I do like. I mm-hmm. love time shit, time travel and all that stuff. It's very interesting. It's fantastic. Yeah. But I, I like the thinking part of the movies, like how he, he challenges <laughs> mainstream hollywood because mainstream hollywood like these days are like comedy and like very like block esque movies like i'm not yeah. a huge fan of like the two hollywood i'm more of a fan of the you know artsy long or artsy slow burn films, yeah. like movies mm-hmm. um i i just don't like you know the overly generic stuff i, I like mm-hmm. i like it when it's unique and different and Mm-hmm. challenges no i yeah new stuff mm-hmm. i don't know i'm very yeah. bad with words I, no no i get you no i get you I, I like a balance between the two i think i think i do like slow burner films that kind of make you know they're quite cautious about the decisions that they make with the characters in the environment but i do also I, I do find it hard sometimes to pay attention with a film so it needs to make sure it's it it can you know present itself like that but it still needs to be encapsulating to me and yeah. i do think interstellar was also very encapsulating and that is something i want to talk about because the film is two hours and 40 minutes long or like more than that two hours 44 i think mm-hmm. and for a film that's really really long what did you think about the runtime did you feel like the film overall went quite quickly or do you think there was times where you were like oh well how long have i got left this film like it's fucking ages what do you think uh i mean i i genuinely think it's it's pretty perfect as it is I, like i wouldn't mm-hmm. mind if it was even longer to be honest because the the really? times it was it was kind of slow like story wise 
uh, it was it was definitely like captivating aesthetically. There's a lot of beautiful mm-hmm. like space shots and just very well shot uh, scenes that kind of make up for it in my eyes because when I watch a movie, it's it's also eye candy. Like I'm not just watching it for the oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. for the you know uh, story. Story, uh, even yeah. though the story is like the main part I like about this film, it's it's also just nice yeah. to look at the scenery and how they mm-hmm. do things. And my my like fucking like video editor brain just looks at like stuff, and I'm like, oh, that's so <laughs> cool. How the fuck did they do that? And I'm just like, oh, yeah. fuck yeah. So like, I I keep myself occupied when shit gets slow. Like, yeah. I don't really care too much because I always mm-hmm. find something to that's, like focus on. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I think this film intertwines its. Um, interest in the narrative and the stunning visuals where I felt like I really wanted to see what the kind of next planet would look like or the next place that we're kind of exploring would look like in space because yeah. you know it's it's all about exploring the unknown and trying to you know save save earth due to you know the fact that it's kind of a it, it's an environment that you can't really inhabit anymore so you have that kind of sudden you know, tension of will they be able to save life on Earth, including humans, and will they actually be able to get back home, and what will they explore? And I think, again, look, looking at kind of like the separate questions that the viewer can kind of think of whilst watching the film, I do also think there's like multiple storylines going on in a sense, because, you know, you've got the stuff up in space, which is the main core storyline, mm-hmm. but then you've got the stuff back at home with, you know, the conflict between the sister and the brother and the brother's kind of family now because you know it's like way ahead yeah and then and then it all intertwines because the conflict down on earth make uh, fits in with the conflict up in space with um you know matthew mcconaughey's character mm-hmm. and i do think it, it's uh, again nolan's thought about that and went uh let's kind of make sure if i want to make this film long i've got to make sure it's engaging with multiple characters and then at the same time make it so everything ties together at the end because that's what it's all about yeah and it, it was it was also the storyline of uh murphy working at nasa with uh mm-hmm. with yeah. the, the professor and like trying the to crack the yeah. code and all that stuff mm-hmm. um, it was when i realized um oh by the way guys spoilers for the film a little bit i know it's a bit too late but a little bit spoilers for the film hopefully you've watched it before you know listen to the podcast on it but anyway it was that part where holy shit it was like they went and had that like issue with um was it Miller's planet was that what's called Miller's planet the one with the waves and shit yeah and the like tsunami waves and then I was like holy shit okay first of all someone's just died and then second of all he comes back and I'm like all right okay so they were only I thought they were only there for like maybe what like half an hour tops mm-hmm. and then they they get on the ship and come back because just for context guys um the time works differently in like different liminal spaces so. On the planet, like an hour for them is like seven years of a uh, seven years back on like the home base and on in, in space or whatever. And one guy's left there, and like the other three go to this planet. And then like something bad happens, and then they get on the ship and they go back. And I'm like, all right, they've only been there like half an hour when that like big thing happened. And then they get off the ship and like, oh, how long have we been? And the guys like, oh, you've been away twenty three years. I'm like, twenty three years already. And I'm like, what the hell? I, I that was shocking to me. I was like, yo, yeah, and you know. and um, something I wanted to talk about, which is a good segue, is is the part when they get back to the ship after all the time passes, and he watches mm-hmm. the, like the the, t- the, yeah. the the family tape of like mm-hmm. just years of years of years flashing by like seconds. It's it's like yeah. it's so like 
like like it fucking made me cry it's it's so like yeah sad like the amount of Mm -hmm. sacrifice he did like he Mm -hmm. he he said that like in in the start of the movie you know like he said to murphy like by the time i get back we might even be the same same age age." yeah but mm -hmm. but like they spent so much time there that Mm -hmm. she ended up being older and i think that's kind of sad like yeah like so much lost time yeah and it, it was all in the name for love because obviously he wanted to mm-hmm. like make a better world for his daughter. Yeah. And then he lost that, or he lost all that time with her. Yeah. You know? And that was the price he paid for essentially, you know, becoming a part of this project that could save humanity. And I do think it was, um, it was, it was really kind of uh, emotional. Especially, I thought the scene was emotional where, um, he, you know finally finds murphy as a grandma and i was like oh that's like cute as fuck yeah. like and i was like it's really emotional but yeah i definitely get that i'm trying to think of other elements of the film that i uh really enjoyed um yeah obviously the tape stuff like got me really sad i was like holy shit um the sound design on top of the music was fantastic and i loved oh, I, yeah, a similar yeah. thing um was the sim- a similar thing was in gravity um that film i watched it ages ago but where mm-hmm. Um, for example, Matt Damon's character when he's trying to like do all that shit on the like lock in dock the and yeah dock, dock and then it explodes or whatever. And when it explodes yeah. and we see a shot from the perspective of the outsider space rather than an interior um interior location like in a in like a kind of spaceship or whatever, not spaceship or just like you know you know what I mean just like a little you know ship or yeah. whatever. It's like completely mute. Like everything's mute because there is no sound in space because there's obviously not you know any like kind of surfaces like to travel or bounce off so when the explosion is like kind of captured from outside like in an exterior place of like the space time continuum or whatever it's just silence and i love that because it is like that attention to detail in a sense that you were talking about before where it's like you if if this happened in space you would not be able to hear that explosion but it's still impactful because the visuals are still there and it just goes to show that the visuals are still kind of just as encapsulating as the audio since there was like no audio cues in that shot or scene whatsoever yeah and it, it was also a very abrupt like mm-hmm. cut you know because it was the second the the vacuum seal broke so as, as soon as the spaceship yeah. you know or the this uh, the docking station mm-hmm. broke like the music just cut yes and like you, you could hear like this explosion for a split second mm-hmm. while there was like still air in the room which I think is a very nice detail because if you were there, like the explosion happening, you would have heard it for like a split second before mm-hmm. you know, like all the air got sucked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a, and it, yeah. it's it's a it's a it's extremely tiny detail, but it's so well done mm-hmm. and it's it's just perfect. Yeah, I love it. Lots of small details, lots of thought, but put behind it. And I think it is important to think about small details when you're dealing with such a complex narrative as well. And I know that's not really you can't really apply that to kind of practical stuff like the sound design but i mean if you're gonna be complex with the story then you may as well just be complex about um you know a lot of the elements of the film to kind of all coincide with each other which is really interesting i mean the the story of the of the film it's it's very complex but it it can be boiled down to like very simple concept because it it is all about uh like love defying everything Mm -hmm. you know and um I think something very important is a film can be com- complicated and you can, you know, give it a lower rating because you don't understand it and it'll stay that rating and that's it. But if you find yourself wanting to watch it again and rewatch it because you found the film 
hard to enjoy, or not hard to enjoy, but hard to understand, but you actively want to understand it, that's when you know a film is successful. And I think that's why it's that is successful. And that's why, for example, um, I, I make this example all the time, but it's just a, uh, it is just a perfect example of a film that I found really not enjoyable the first time I watched it, but then I ended up giving it a five star. Like the third time I watched it, is the end of Evangelion, uh, the um, Neon Genesis Evangelion film, uh, where I didn't understand that like fucking at all when I first watched it. But then by the time I went in a second and third watch, I like looked at the small details. I understood the kind of concept of what Hideaki Anno's and director was trying to, you know, conclude this massive like anime series. And it's the same thing with Interstellar, where watching it once has really confused me. I did understand some aspects of it, and it was still a fantastic film, but it's confusing enough um, that I want to watch it again, and it's good enough that I want to watch it again. So that's when you know that it's been successful. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. definitely. Um, I mean, we're almost on an hour, so I think we should just kind of wrap it up here. I think we said a lot about the film. But definitely check out Interstellar, directed by Christopher Nolan. Fantastic film. I mean, check out any of uh, Nolan's works. I mean, he's a well-known director for a reason. Uh, His plots are a little bit complex at times, but I think as long as you focus, um, I I put my phone away, I put everything down to focus on the film, I still didn't understand aspects of it. But I overall enjoyed the experience nonetheless, and I mean, I guess that's just what makes a film successful. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, to conclude, uh, definitely check out uh, It's Leo's Twitter. Yeah. they are, it's I-T-S-L-I-Y-O. Um, is there anything else you want to plug or are you just a, are you just a Twitter guy? Um, I, I'm just a Twitter guy. Just a, just a Twitter? <laughs> yeah. That's fine by me. I, I, I got banned off TikTok, so. Oh, yo, what? How do you get banned off TikTok? Yeah. What do you do? I made a, I made a Pornhub joke <laughs> where I used the intro and they did not enjoy me mm. uh, having the word Pornhub <laughs> on on their platform so i just got nuked that's not good enough dog i'm disappointed oh, well. in you <laughs> um shit happens. yeah shit happens in terms of the podcast stuff um i always put a review for my letterboxed um on my letterboxed of the films that i watch and i'm going to be ranking everyone i watch if you want to check that out it's matthew underscore Beatty and the uh, it's matthew with two t's underscore b-a-y-t-e-e it'll be in the description of the youtube video you can follow me there if you want to you know read more of what i think about the film in terms of checking out the podcast make sure to subscribe to it uh, for real on youtube if you watch on youtube on spotify on apple podcast if you want to get notified when it's next on and yeah that's all basically thank you very much for what listening everybody not watching i mean if you watch on youtube maybe but <laughs> thank you very much for listening and i'll see you guys next week <laughs>